Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Colin. Morning, Nick. I really, um, just in that time of worship, just enjoyed what God was doing amongst us. And I just want to say, well done, guys, for contributing and just going for it. We need to be doing that more and more, leading one another, bringing contributions, stirring faith. It's how it's meant to work in the body as we gather together. So well done, guys. Good job. Um, It's quite uncanny. Everything that's really, um, maybe not everything, but lots of what's just flowed this morning, I just, I feel that God wants to carry on right now and to speak to us about us. And I hope that this morning, right now, it's slightly provocative, um, not for the sake of it, but because I believe that God wants to come and encounter us afresh, to come and just sharpen us and do a fresh work in us, if I can put it like that. Um, We are currently in a series called DNA, and... And just as I've been thinking about it this last week, today's preach, and just mulling on it, it's, I found it quite a battle, if I'm being honest. Not, not that it's difficult, not that it's, a hard, not that it's complex, but actually just the, the simplicity of what God has called us to be and do. Um, I feel like God's been challenging me on this week. And I hope this morning that as we just give ourselves to um, provoking one another through the word of God, that... God comes and brings life into us in a new way. And just want to pick up on what Helen was um, prophetically challenging us with earlier. About are we happy to settle for second best? And I just totally feel that's what God wants to talk to us about this morning. Um, Actually, not, not just personally my walk with Jesus, but corporately as a church together. As a local gathered People of God. So over this series, we're going to look at, or we've already looked at, a God-shaped people, a people who are faithful to um, Scripture, growing in our love and knowledge of God. And passionate people, we want to be a people who hunger for the Spirit of God. And really that, that, that presence of the Spirit drives us to be radical in our lives. Uh, that is meant to be normal Christianity, that there is a radical edge to the people of God. That is not the abnormal moments in our story, but rather a radical edge to who we are as we love God, as we know him, as we enjoy the presence of the Spirit. In the coming weeks, we're going to look at an authentic people, a prophetic people, a generous people. Next week, we have um, a good friend called Jazz Potter coming to be with us from Croydon. And um, Jazz is going to speak to us. I don't know if she's here. She's doing two weeks. In two weeks, she's going to be here um, talking to us about kingdom people. And Jazz has a, an, a great evangelist um, gift. She really um, has an Ephesians 4 gifting to provoke the church um, in evangelism. And so we've invited her to come and talk to us about Jazz, come and provoke us in being a kingdom people. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, please come here next week and not East just to hear Jazz because that's better, I know. But... Um, And this morning, we are going to look at what it means to be a loving people. The the church, in the DNA of the church, is 
God's heart is that primarily we, before anything else, are a loving people. And it's so easy just to find a few Bible verses and talk about being a loving people and kind of go, tick, we've talked about it, right, fine, fine, yeah, we know, we know what we're meant to be, but allowing God to come and work on our heart is hugely challenging. Allowing God to come and shape us to be the kind of people he's called us to be is hugely challenging. And if it isn't challenging, then we are not reading scripture correctly. And I, this morning, I want us to put, if, you, if you're in a business and you're running a business, you often might have a, what you call a dashboard and you have all these indicators of how's a business doing? What does success look like? The profit, the clients, the, the communications, you have all of these things that are markers of success and you, you, and you refer to your dashboard often to, to say, how are we doing as a business? And in the church, front and center in our dashboard should be this question, are we loving one another? Do we love God and do we love one another? And I want us to just, for a moment, look at that key indicator for the church. It's easy to have many success things. Are we growing in number? How's the finances? How many people are going to small groups? How many people have we seen saved this last week, this last month? this year? Are people using gifts? How was the worship on Sunday morning? Were there contributions? Was the preach all right or not? It's easy to have all kinds of indicators of how healthy we are as a church, and none of those are bad things in and of themselves. But right in the center of our dashboard should be, do we love one another? I want to just pray, and we are going to Get going on this. Father, we thank you for your encouragement towards us together this morning. We thank you that, Jesus, you have promised you are with us. And we know that you are, that as we gather together in your name to honor you, to glorify you, that you've promised that you will be with us by your spirit. And we thank you that you are. Holy Spirit, we just say you're welcome here again right now. Come and continue the work that you have begun in us this morning. And just right off the bat, we say, we don't want second-rate Christianity. We don't want mundane faith. We don't want boring, irrelevant church. We want more of you in these days. And so everything that we are and all that we do, we, we say, Jesus, we're yours. We're here for your pleasure. We're devoted to you and to one another. We just bless your name right now. Holy Spirit, come and just open our hearts and lives to you. You have permission. There's no no go areas for you. Holy Spirit, come and lead us, we pray. Come and provoke us into godliness in these days. Come and provoke us that we may look like the bride of Christ, readying herself for the return of our Lord and Savior. Amen. As a, as a local church, we face many challenges like every church faces. Challenges of growth, how we're going to multiply, where's the next site going to be? Good stew. So it's going to be a little way off yet if it's just stew at the moment. So, um, The challenges of releasing gifts, sorry. All in faith, right. <laughs> the challenges of releasing gifts amongst us, 
raising leaders, the challenge of growing meaningful community that loves and serves one another, the challenge of the challenges. I do want to be a bit provoking this morning. The challenge of complaints. The challenge of the the peripheral things becoming the main thing. The challenge of keeping Jesus front and center. The challenge of, as Helen said earlier, believing God for the supernatural and not giving up. We face all kinds of challenge. And into this, I think there's a, there's a simple question that we need to ask ourselves. Are we rising to the challenge of authentic Christianity within Gateway? Because boy, is it hard. Boy, is it hard. And you may have noticed we haven't grown much over the last number of years numerically. We have a turnover of people, and that's fine. I'm, I'm not complaining. But I wonder if, quite simply... God would say, why would I bring more people to a people that don't really love one another? Why would I bring more people just for more people to not really love one another? And I'm just saying that because I feel like that's what God's been talking to me about this week. Except I put it a bit more potently in my notes. Why would God bring more people to a gathering like this, where, to be quite honest, people couldn't care less about each other at one level. I, sorry if you're offended, but I wonder if we look at Scripture and then hold up Scripture against us, we would probably say that could well be true. Not exclusively. Not com- I don't mean that completely negatively, but I do want to provoke us this morning because I think that loving one another looks radically like wholesale change from where we are right now. And the goal of this series and the goal of this morning is not to try and get some of the challenges that we have working, to try and help us grow, to try and help us release more gifts. The goal of this morning really is that we might become more biblical in our understanding of who we are as God's people. Because as we get hold of that, then really everything else just begins to flow. As we get hold of love for God and love for one another, everything flows. It's a really very simple equation for us. So today we are looking at a loving people. We want to be a people who deeply love one another and our neighbor. People who are here for one another's success, care, and growth in God. Boy, is it easy to say. And is it e- it's so easy just to nod to and go, oh yeah, that's fair enough. You see, the church of Jesus is amazing. I hope you, just for a moment, forget your experience of local church. Good, bad, ugly, whatever. Just forget that for a moment. The church of Jesus, what he has purchased with his blood. God's eternal plan to have a people gathered to himself for all eternity, worshipping, made up of multiple tribes, every tribe, tongue, nation. It's amazing. I just want to read a couple of scriptures just to refresh and renew our perspective of how God sees his bride. He says this in 1 Peter 2, but you, not, not you individually, you, you church, you gateway, you church in Swindon, you are a chosen people. A chosen people. The word church, the, 
The word for that is ecclesia, literally called out ones. You've been called out from the world and into Christ. You chosen people. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Boy, I don't know about you. I don't know that I feel like a royal priesthood this morning. You're a holy nation. A people who care about the holiness of God and the glory of God. You're God's special possession. 1 Corinthians 3. Do you not know that you are God's temple? You're his temple, church. And that God's spirit dwells within you. Yet, it's true that you individually are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And God makes his dwelling place within you, but you corporately are the dwelling place of God, church. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple, Paul says to the Corinthians. I wonder if we need reminding, we are a temple. The dwelling place of God, no less, here on earth. Where does God dwell? When you, if somebody said, where's God today? Well, he's here among his church. That's why Peter says, you're living stones. One on top of another, being built together in Christ. Christ's the cornerstone, the foundation of it all. He's the head of the church. You, you're living stones. Is that how we think of ourselves primarily, Gateway? Is that our attitude, that we're a dwelling place of God, a royal priesthood, a chosen people? Ephesians, Paul writing to the Ephesians, but he said this, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Listen to this. And, and he raised us up with him, that's with Jesus And has seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not one day when I die, but right now today. In Christ, you the church, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. The church is amazing. As came through in the worship, it doesn't actually matter right now how you feel... What God looks at and how God sees his church is this amazing bride being readied for the return of Christ Jesus, the bridegroom. And he has spoken huge, lofty, awesome, eternal, sweeping truths over who we are as his people. You've been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus so that... In the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Why are you saved? Why has God added you into his family, the church? You're saved so that you can have life, sure. But you're also saved in order that one day into eternity, God would show you for eternity evermore the immeasurable riches that are yours. The grace, the immeasurable grace of God in your life. For all eternity. What God has called you and I to as his church is that he would show us off. And that he would show off the riches of Christ in us and to us for all eternity. 
The church is amazing. The biblical picture of the church, who the body of Christ is across the world today, is amazing. Throughout history, it's amazing. But if I'm honest, I wonder if there are some parts of local church that we right now in Gateway are struggling to do well. Namely, be the church. I genuinely mean, I wonder if right now we are struggling to be the church. You see, I think a good question to ask is, what is this here this morning? What are we here for? What do we, if I can put it like this, what do we rock up for week after week? If you just had the Bible... And you had never, it, never grown up in a Christian home. You had never experienced church before. Nobody was telling you, or nobody had modeled to you, this is how you do church. No church tradition, so to speak of. And you just read the Bible. What kind of gathering would you end up with? What would it look like? What would, it, what would you call people to? And I wonder for us, Gateway, if, if this, for us, the Sunday gathering is the primary thing. We think being the church is primarily about just gathering on Sundays and meeting like this, 90 minutes, done. But if you had just the scriptures and you opened this and you read, you read through it and you said, what does the church look like? How, how, how did the church function? What was primary for them? What was of most importance? What did they understand their purpose to be? Why would they gather together? What does it look like? I wonder if you would end up with something quite different to this. And that doesn't, I'm not saying in this it's wrong. I'm not saying gathering like this is wrong. But I wonder if you would end up with something that the primary purpose, that the leading edge of who we are would look quite different. You see, when we read the scriptures through the, through the New Testament in particular, as the church's birth, the first thing that we see is not so much about how Sunday mornings work and what's to happen on a Sunday morning and how long is the preach meant to be and is the worship meant to be a good crescendo and everybody goes, yeah, and how many people shared and contributed and da-da-da-da-da. That's not really the thing that Paul's wrestling for. Sure, he corrects things where they go wrong and he encourages certain practices and he says, when you come together, make sure da-da-da. That's a good thing. But the first thing you see when you come to the scriptures is you see that the church is a people who are on mission. It's the leading edge of the church. There's no way to escape that. The first thing that is of importance to remember about the church is we're all of those things that scripture says of us and we are a people who are on mission. Not for ourselves but for the glory of God and for those who are dying and perishing. It's the only reason right now that we're here. We're not here for ourselves. Gateway, we're not here for ourselves. And yet so much of how I, if I'm being, and I'm not saying, please hear my heart. I'm not saying you, I'm saying we, I. So much of how we function is we are here for ourselves. I want to unpack that in a moment. I hope you're feeling slightly bruised at the moment. I wonder if we shouldn't be so worried about our Sunday mornings, the preaching, the worship, the coffee, were the kids entertained? 
And the reason I say this is because we come and we gather on Sunday mornings in rows like this, and it's not wrong. Hear my heart. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it presents some big challenges for us. And we turn up, we rock up, we do our 90 minutes. And the reality is, if we're not a church on mission, then I can come. I can do my 90 minutes. It's like community service. (laughs) But do you know to do that, I don't need fellowship. I don't need to love you and you don't need to love me. Not really. I mean, not really. I I can kind of do that bit fine by myself. If we don't have mission as our leading edge as the people of God, I can kind of cope all right on my own. Except then I'm not the church. And you're not the church. Because God has said that the people of God love God and love one another and are a people on mission. And to stay on mission, not just the next time we're planning something, some big, the next site, which we are talking about and believing God for and praying and planning into. But to stay on mission, quite simply, I need you in my life. And you need me in your life. Not merely high-fiving on a morning going, how are you, how are you? It's quite hard, isn't it, really, on Sunday mornings to be an authentic, loving, genuine people. To really give each other the time and presence that we need in life. You see, I think, I think we're doing okay at Sunday services. Sure, they could be better, sure. I could preach for longer and it would be better. And... But I wonder, Gateway, if we're struggling to be the church authentically. I wonder for many of us that our picture of church is what I do on a Sunday morning. It's not God's eternal purpose for the called out ones from the world into Christ Jesus for his glory. And as Helen said earlier, we've settled for second best. And I wonder that Jesus looks at that and he says, second best is not the church at all. Second best is religion. And religion is dead and religion stinks. And God came to rescue religious people like you and I from religion. So, I have five things that I see in Scripture that are essential DNA of the church. As we gather together, as we understand ourselves, I am only going to major on the first one, you'll be pleased to know. And I will just merely mention the others. But as I just share this first one, I want want to ask that you would have open hearts and allow God to widen our hearts in love for one another. Please do not just merely hear this and nod and do nothing of it. But let's be those that look into the word of God and see our reflection in it. And hold up this and say, are we these people? Are we really the people of God as he has called us out? Because it's easy to point the fingers and and say others aren't. Say, that's not really what the church is called to be. That's not what it looks like. It's easy to look at other faiths and other religions and say, well, that's not what God's called us to be. But do we ask the hard questions of ourselves, guys? And so just as I go through this, please have an open heart to this. I I trust that even 
just as we're sharing that, that God will come by his spirit and provoke in us fresh love for one another. You see, the first thing I think that you see when you read through the scriptures and, and with the eyes of going, what does the church look like? Who, who is this people? Let alone, what are we meant to do? But who are we? The first thing I think that you see just resounding out isn't about the worship and the preach and the Sunday morning and how long it is. It is not that. It's a people who deeply love one another. And it's so simple. And so many, and myself, I just nod and go, well, of course. We love one another. Of course we do. But do we really? I mean, like, really do we love one another? With an authentic New Testament, sacrificial, self-giving, selfless love like Christ towards us. I'm not so sure. But the first thing is this. When you start with Scripture, the thing that just resounds out is that we are called to be people with a deep love for one another. In John 17, Jesus prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. That there would be a unity amongst God's people. A common unity with Christ at the center. In John 13, 14, Jesus said this, A new, com- a new command I give you. A new command, church. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. How did Christ love us? Sacrificially. He gave himself for us. I just, for a moment, I wonder when you walk in this morning... I wonder what the emotion was. Maybe you didn't think of it like that, but what, what was firing off in your head as you walked through the doors this morning? Well, it's, it's just what I do. Better be there on time. <laughs> it's just what I do. I, I go to church on a Sunday. I don't, I don't even really think about what it's about. I had a, um, a great email exchange with Faye um, Howard just this last week, and and she said, okay, when I come to church, I am going to be, before I come, I'm going to be praying, God, would you give me something to share, to contribute? And I'm like, yeah, that's it. It's thinking about the body, not, not how do I get to use my gift, but how do I build up and encourage and edify the church in who they are and who God's called them to be? I wonder that most of us just, it's in the diary, it's what we do, it's tradition, it's how we were brought up. And we just walk through the doors and we just go through the motions and we play the part so that when Liz earlier says, we, we put on our Sunday face. And go, that's just true, isn't it? We put on our Sunday best and it, okay, it's not a shirt and tie, but I'm all right, everyone. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. Great. In Philippians 2, Paul wrote this to the church. He said, if you... Church, if you gateway have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, I think Paul's expectation is you should have. If you know Jesus and these things are to be evident among you, he says this, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, 
Having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Gateway, do we value others above ourselves? I mean, really, not just the right answer. Yes, we do. Does it look like something? Is it evident among us? Not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. And he goes on to say, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. See, I think the the calling for the local church is a high calling. I think it is hugely challenging. And I think God has grace for us. God has grace for his church. But I think right now this morning, I want to say, guys, I don't know that we are really being the church. And the reason is this. I think there's lots of things we're struggling with to get going, to make work well. Trying to get people to be committed to a local group, a small group, where we gather together like this. It's actually just a challenge for us. Not many, not many of you are signed up to local communities, living out faith, loving one another. And I get why, I get it. But I wonder if we're struggling, therefore, to be the church. Because, because Paul's writing to the Philippians saying, if you love God, if you value what Christ has done for you, then do the same to one another. And I just wonder that there is a distinct lack of one anothering going on. You see, it doesn't matter the size of the gathering. That, it really does not matter whether, whether there's 20 people gathered on a morning, 200 people or 2,000. That is not the goal. That, as Liz was saying earlier, God's measuring stick is such a different measuring stick. It doesn't matter how good the band were this morning. It really doesn't matter how good the preach is. It doesn't matter how many gifts we use and did I get to use my gift. It really doesn't matter how effective the children's ministry was this morning. The overriding expectation of God when we gather together is love for one another. We worship him absolutely, but we gather together to express our love for one another. Do I really care about that is the question I want to provoke us with. When Jesus calls his church to gather together and to encourage us to gather together. I think he simply says, when you gather together, there must be incredible love present, first and foremost. So how many of us walked through the door encountering incredible love this morning, ready to give incredible love? Is that our expectation? Is that our understanding? Because I just wonder if there's a lot of dead religion going on. You see, worship, teaching, kids' church, using gifts, those are great things. They really are good things. They're healthy things. They're things we want to do as we gather together. But if we don't have love for one another, it's just so simple, isn't it? That word love, it's just, if, we don't, if we don't Christ one another with the love of Christ, serving, meeting, encouraging, building up, not just, oh, Nick, it's so, I missed you this week because you were in Delhi. I mean, I did miss you, but not just like a nice emotional, it's really nice to see you, but is there anything I can serve you with? 
Is there anything you need this week? How's, how's marriage? How's finance? How's the kids? How's life? How's work? And, and can I help you in these things? And can I pray with you? And can I stand with you? If that's not going on in my heart, whereas I encounter the people of God, if that's not going on in your heart as we gather together, then a key ingredient of who we are is missing. The Apostle John in 1 John 4, he, I'm just going off script a moment, he said it like this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. If you do not love, and love is not just this this gushy, emotional, I feel nice towards people word. It's the Christ-like love that is sacrificial and giving and active and tangible and evident And powerful and world-changing. If you don't have that kind of love amongst us as a community, then John, John tells us you don't know God. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, I love how John writes to the church. Dear friends, he loved the church. Boy, if if anybody who came in Jesus' wake loved the church, John loved the church. Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. He doesn't say since God so loved us, let's make sure our Sunday meetings are amazing. Let's make sure we love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. We know that God is among us because we have the spirit of God. And we know that we live in him because we have the spirit of God. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Just going to jump down. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Wow. I just want to say, if you've got a relational issue in the body of Christ and you are not prepared to deal with it, do not call yourself a follower of Christ Jesus because God calls you a liar. There's grace. And the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we help one another in our weakness. And we encourage one another to reconciliation and love and acceptance and forgiveness. Because Christ did that for us. 
For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. You see, it's not an optional accessory for the church. Hey, some churches are just more loving than others. It's not a bit of what we do. It is what we do. It's not, it's not well, I, I get love in this area of church, and it's not so lovely, lovely over there, and some people are more lovely than others. Deep love for one another is the main thing. It's the starter, it's the main course, it's the dessert. Do we really love one another, church? Do we even know one another? Do we even like one another? Just, just to lighten the mood a moment, uh, an amusing story. You see, there was a man who experienced this situation. He, he ended up, um, unfortunately, being stranded on a desert island for many years. And one day, whilst he was strolling along the beach, he spotted a ship on the horizon And first time ever that he'd seen a uh, ship after many years of being stranded on this island. So he made a fire and tried to make this fire make as much smoke as it it could so that he could be seen. And and fortunately, the guys on the boat saw him and came and um, came close to the the shore and then released a little rowing boat with some guys on to come and rescue him. I mean, he was so excited about his chance of being rescued. He was overjoyed. And so as his saviors came on their rowing boat and came ashore... After some um, preliminary conversation, the man in charge said to him, how have you survived for all this time? How have you managed to live for all these years here? And so the guy excitedly told him how he would hunt and fish and, and, and forage for food and how he made shelter for himself at first. And then after time, he realized he was going to be there longer, and so he started to make himself a home. And he said, actually, if you, come up, if you walk up this mountain with me, you can see how I've just made myself a small community space. And he pointed and he said, you see that hut just down there? The, the one with the, with the pointy roof? Yeah, that's my home. That's my, that's my home. That's what I built with my hands. That's where I've lived for all these years. And the guy says, wow, that's amazing. And he says, and that, that building next to it on the right-hand side, that's my church that I go to. And the guy says, wow, you built a church? That's, that's amazing. And the guy said to him, and what's the building to the left? What's the building on the other side of the street? And he says, oh, that's, that's the church I used to go to. Oh, that's good. You haven't heard that one before. But it's kind of true, isn't it? A love that's tangible among the people of God. I think it's what God expects of us. A love that's evident. In 1 John 3, again, I just want to read it. He says this, This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. I mean, you can't put it any more clearly than that. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. He's not talking about dead religion. He's talking about love for Christ. Living lives where there's a desire and a hunger to know him, to have intimacy with him. To walk holy and blameless. And nor is anyone... A child of God who does not love their brother and sister. You see, it's quite simple. Jesus is the head of the church. 
Colossians 1.18. He's the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the head, and we are the body. So often we think, I go to church. And our cultural conditioning, we, we just think individually, well, that's what I do. I don't think of myself as part of this living body, this organism where Christ is the head. And so often we want the tail to wag the dog in this one, don't we? And, and the Bible says, no, Christ is the head. And when the head turns this way, the body better go with it. But quite simply, you cannot love the head and not the body. There's some dangerous jokes I can make right now, but I won't. You cannot love Jesus and despise his church. The head is perfect. And he's beautiful and radiant and lovely and worthy. And the body is a work in progress. And it's messy and hard and challenging and painful, like your family, like my family. Hello, parents. Um, (laughs) But nonetheless, God commands that we love one another with a sacrificial love. Love is the thing, therefore people are the project. Not Sunday mornings, not even the next site, not, not just gifts being released, not leaders being raised. They're not the project. They're the things that as we learn to love one another, people will come and we'll need to create space. But let's not do those things as the project, as the task. The task is do another gateway site. I believe in a multiplying church. I have huge faith for the church of Jesus to multiply and to fill the earth and subdue it and bring his glory and his visible manifest presence through the church on display that people would look at a community like you and I and say, wow, those guys love one another. Wow, they, they embody God. They might not use that language, but they sacrificially give of them themselves. That acts two kind of people. And because people are the project, relationships are the priority. I'm going to finish with this. Um, two things. I'm going to skip everything else that's a key. Now I've lost my notes. You see, I think that Sunday mornings are hard to express this kind of love. And I know some people don't like big church, and some people like small church, and some people like mega church, and that, it's fine. It, it really doesn't matter. That's not the, the deal breaker. But Sunday mornings aren't really the place where we can get traction and express that kind of deep, committed, selfless love to one another. Uh, we just need the context of small gatherings, where week in, week out, we gather together in one another's homes, hopefully breaking bread, laying hands on one another, not just moaning about gateway, because boy, is there loads to moan about, I know, and, but, but actually encouraging one another, loving one another into life in God, into, man, we've got this amazing thing. How are we going to encourage each other to go and tell others, to go and say, come and see this one that I have died to live for? I mean, that's the church. That's the goal of the church. is to be a people that boast in Christ and sacrificially love one another. And so I simply want to ask you this. This term, there is two such simple ways that you can express 
being the church. And I just want to provoke you slightly because if you've given up on one of these ways of meeting, I hear my heart in this. I'm not trying to say you are not saved. Please don't think I'm saying that, but I want to provoke you and say I think there is an expectation in the Bible that we gather together and we actively love one another. And if we're not doing that, are you genuinely following Jesus or are you genuinely following religion? So one way that you can give yourself to loving people is in a small group context where you gather together week in, week out, not what can I get, not my moment just to talk, but to love, to care, to meet the needs of one another. And boy, will it be costly with time, energy, effort, attitude, money. But boy, is it worth it. Because in that context, you will come alive in faith. And I would like to also challenge you that this term, we have another opportunity to express love for one another. And that's by going to Fusion. Our family of churches camp at the end of May. Everybody stop looking at your Bibles all of a sudden, sudden like you're interested. And I want you to know this. The only reason, the only reason that I am bothering to go to Fusion is for you guys. I, I couldn't care if the event's a success or not. That really is not I'm, not, I'm not saying go to make the event a success so that I couldn't care less. The reason that I am going is for you. And the reason that I want you to go is for you and I. That we have an opportunity to give ourselves. And yes, it costs money. And yes, it's camping. And yes, it sucks. And and yes, it's across the other side of the country. And yes, it means you're going to have to spend some time with people. And I like myself. I get on well with myself. (laughs) And yes, it means you might have to just for a while smile and kind of go, it's great to be here. And say, God, you better work on this heart quickly or else I might fall out with some people. Especially, who's got a new baby here? If I sleep in next to a tent with a baby, good luck. Um, But I'm serious. There's a good number of people who are going, by the way. But the reason to go is not for a flipping conference. There's enough junk on TV, Christian, this, that, the other, on YouTube, on this, on that, that you can listen to. Not junk, you know what I mean. You can fill your time with loads of conference messages. You can do all of that stuff. But if you do not have love, are you the church? And if it doesn't look sacrificial, are we the church? And if it looks like, well, I can't really be bothered. It's not really my thing. If I haven't, yeah, I hope you are provoked right now. Why would you not go? Because it isn't about you. It's not about me. It's not about fusion. It's not about regions beyond. It's about an opportunity to spend time. And we don't have that time on a Sunday morning. It's great that we do a meal last week, but you still only get to touch one or two people. But a weekend together, hey, do you know there's so many people in this room that I don't know? And we've got an opportunity to get to know one another and to have fun and to enjoy time together. So I want to ask you, would you go? If you are struggling to get there because of finances, please do talk to us. But hey, you could finance one another. There's an idea. I am going to email um, 
In fact, we put it on Facebook or something, the one another's in the Bible. Because I think this is expressed in all of the one another's in the Bible. I think this is where it gets worked out. It's not just love, 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 love. It's one another. It's give yourselves to one another. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Admonish one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. It's worked out. And I think God, when, he's right, when Jesus, when he's speaking to his church, and the apostles, when they're, when they're writing to the church, are saying, this love is worked out and it is visible. And if it is not, then you should question yourselves, are we really the church? And so Nick is going to come and lead you in communion. Parents, can I just encourage you, um, if you've got kids in, their gro- in groups, please would you go and collect your children from their groups. You are welcome to come back and share communion. The, the closing of this, and it feels like a crash landing, I realize, but the closing of this is, would you sign up for a group today? Don't merely be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. I, I mean it. Would you sign up for a group? And some of you haven't been to groups for years. Fine. Why not today? Why not give yourselves to the people of God today? Debs, I just wonder. I, I'll tell you what response looks like. I'd love Debs just to come and share her story um, from last week when Andrew shared about Gateway Furniture. He did a great job. And then, um, Gateway, thank you. There was a response. By the way, everything's not tragic, if I come across like that today. Um, and there was a great response to Andrew and Gateway Furniture, and a whole number of people signed up to serve, which is fantastic. Thank you. But, Debs, over to you. You should share your story of how you responded. Okay, so I just said to Andrew, if you want me, you can have me. So that was his response last week, and he choked, I think. So anyway, so I said to him, I've got a couple of hours a week. Um, I can't do the same time every week. I'll just pop in when I can. Is that all right? And he said, yeah, that's absolutely fine. So I rocked up on Monday. I really wasn't sure what to expect. And when I got there, they kind of said, well, just talk to people. And I thought, oh, okay, all right, I'll just see how that goes. So I went upstairs, and then I, there was a couple of people standing around, and somebody said, oh, we're doing a Bollywood morning. And I said, oh, oh, yeah, that's nice. And they said, oh, no, look, you can join in. And I said, oh, okay. No, I quite like dancing, so I thought, all right, I'll just join in. So they started the music, so I joined in, and I had such fun. It was such a laugh. And um, the ladies there, they all kept looking at me saying, have you come from another Bollywood group? And I said, no, I've never done it before in my life. And they really said, really? You're really good. And I said, oh, okay. And so because I'm just, I just get exuberant about things, I was laughing and joking. And that. the ladies were just laughing and having such fun. And they said they never had such fun doing it in, before. They're normally quite serious about it. So I just brought this kind of like jokey laughter to it. And they all just had such fun. It was, it was amazing. So I encourage you to come on a Monday morning for Bollywood at the gate. It starts about 10.30, so do come for that. But out of that, we all sat down afterwards and I was there for ages and they were just telling me their stories and what their life is like. And I didn't sit there and tell them about Jesus. I didn't sit there and preach. I just sat there and listened. And sometimes that's all the people want. They just want you to listen to their stories. And it was just amazing. And so I'm going again tomorrow. So Anybody wants to come and join me, be brave and come along. You don't have to wear anything fancy. They give you a special skirt with things on as well, so you can jingle along. But just come along. It's just really good. And I just really felt, I emailed Andrew afterwards, and I said, I didn't have to say anything because I just went and took the presence of Jesus. And I think we forget that. We got the presence of Jesus with us, and we just have to go and be and just join in and have fun.